This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. The button pushing stops here. Plug the radio in. Yeah, You're listening to Evidence for Faith here on WIBG 1020. The subject of today's show is God's blessing of liberty and prosperity on America and our solemn obligation to preserve that blessing intact for our children and grandchildren. Hi, my name is Peter Boyce. I'm a born-again Christian, not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm also the Constitution Party congressional candidate for New Jersey's 2nd District, running against incumbent Frank LoBiondo and Democrat challenger Gary Stein. I was invited to substitute for co-hosts Keith Kendricks and Dr. Larrakis, who couldn't be here today. I'm often invited as a keynote speaker to the Tea Party groups throughout South Jersey and other groups such as Liberty and Prosperity in Atlantic County. I give educational PowerPoint presentations on the Constitution and its practical applications to the critical challenges facing America. These organizations in the Constitution Party are often portrayed by the major media as far right wing. However, at all these meetings, the focus is always on the U.S. Constitution and how to get congressmen to restrain their legislative passions to the boundaries prescribed therein. Think about it. Our Constitution is the document both the Democrats on the left and the Republicans on the right both swear to uphold and defend. That puts these groups, and most particularly the Constitution Party, squarely in the center of the political spectrum. We are the grassroots common ground bringing concerned Americans of all political stripes back to the principles that made America great. Let me begin with the basics. The bedrock upon which America flourished to become the flame of liberty, radiating hope to an oppressed world, is articulated in the second paragraph of our Declaration of Independence. Now, we've all heard these words. Now, listen. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, we've all heard those words, but what do they mean? First of all, they mean there is a God, and he gives us individual rights. That is why they're unalienable, because they come from God, not from government as revocable privileges. That as individuals, we delegate some of our God-given authority to form a government to protect those rights, and nothing more. Edmund Burke said, The essence of freedom is the proper limitation of government. Let me repeat that. The essence of freedom is the proper limitation of government. Not no government, that's anarchy. Rather, just the minimum amount of government necessary to protect our rights and otherwise stay off our backs and out of our pockets. This great experiment in individual liberty was codified in our U.S. Constitution, a document referred to by many of the founders as a miracle. America is often referred to in derision as a a capitalist country. Well, the definition of capital is the means of production. In other words, tools, machinery, tractors, factories, and most importantly, land. But wait. Don't socialist and communist countries also use tools, factories, and land as their means of production to barely feed their own people? Sure they do. So if both systems use capital, what is the critical difference that enabled America to use its capital to produce more wealth of goods and services in our short history than all the other nations of the world combined ever produced? Here's the difference. When Karl Marx was asked to sum up communism in one phrase, his answer was, the abolition of private property. That means all the means of production under the control of the central government. It's just the opposite in America. 
The God-given rights of individuals to own and apply capital, the means of production, for their own individual pursuit of happiness are protected from government control by the Constitution. There is no greater motivation for an individual to produce than the knowledge that he or she will be able to keep the fruits of their labor for their children and their local community. I'm proud to say that I've been a capitalist since I was seven years old. My older brothers and I used to pick nightcrawler worms in the park at night with a flashlight and a cigar box to sell for a penny each to a sporting goods store. A thousand worms earned me 10 bucks worth of happiness. For me as a seven-year-old capitalist, my flashlight and cigar box were my capital, the means of production. My picking worms for a penny each was my pursuit of happiness. That was the America of the 1950s. But things have gradually changed to where America is now facing a crisis on every front, and these fronts are converging. To name just a few, we have the highest rate of unemployment since the Great Depression, courtesy of an alphabet soup of unconstitutional regulatory agencies and international trade agreements. Many U.S. companies have been forced to close up shop and reopen in Mexico, India, China, Pakistan, laying off millions of Americans. We have an almost $14 trillion national debt, yet we continue to borrow money to give it away as foreign aid, bailouts, and other unconstitutional spending. Remember the verse, the borrower is servant to the lender? We are indenturing future generations of America's children and grandchildren to our main creditors, Saudi Arabia and Communist China. Despite the constitutional requirement of the federal government to protect the states against invasion, 20 to 40 million illegal intruders have crossed our borders, creating a crime wave, overburdening our social services, and taking even more jobs from American citizens. Our modern presidents, regardless of party, no longer request declarations of war from Congress as required by the Constitution. We have instead become subservient to United Nations resolutions on when, where, and how we deploy our own U.S. troops. These undefined, undeclared, unending wars are spreading our military thin and costing precious American lives. We're dependent on foreign oil, importing over 70% of our energy needs. Yet we have massive reserves in our western states that dwarf those of Saudi Arabia. We also invented and pioneered nuclear energy. Yet we are not tapping those reserves, nor have any new nuclear power plants come online in over 30 years, all due to unconstitutional usurpation of states' rights in direct violation of the Tenth Amendment of the United States Constitution. This is the short list of liberties lost. How in the world did this happen? It happened the same way that it happened in ancient Israel. The prophet Hosea lamented, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We have lost the understanding of our founding principles. During the good times, we did not insist that our elected legislators honor their oaths to uphold and defend our sacred constitution. The American people, we, the people, have forgotten that the constitution is not a law to control the people, but rather to control the government. Our failure to hold our legislators accountable to the clear limits of the constitution permitted them to legislate beyond just protecting our God-given rights. They began to provide ever-increasing social services as a means of buying their re-election at the expense of the taxpayers' children. If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Thomas Jefferson warned us. He said, in questions of power, let no more be heard of confidence in man, but bind him down from mischief by the chains of the Constitution. But how many elected leaders and voters even bother to read it? Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution clearly enumerates those specific areas in which the Congress is authorized to legislate. The Constitution, like the Ten Commandments, is an absolute. When a congressman swears a solemn oath to defend it, he is to defend every word of it. It is not a set of suggestions. He does not swear to defend it only when it's politically correct or supported by the major media or lobbyists or special interests or multinational corporations. He is to obey it 100% of the time. There are two sides to what I call the, the freedom equation. On the government side, the U.S. Constitution is to restrain the legislative passions of Congress to within its prescribed boundaries of simply protecting our God-given rights and leaving us free to pursue happiness. On the individual side, we have the freedom to go about our business pursuing happiness, but with that liberty comes the personal responsibility to exercise internal moral restraints to not violate the rights of others. 
John Adams summed up the equation with the words, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. This is the miracle our founding fathers envisioned as they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to give us the American dream. Let's open the phone lines and discuss how to rescue the American dream for our children and grandchildren. You're invited to call WIBG Studio. The phone number is 609-398-1020. Again, that's 609-398-1020. We have a caller. Hello, Peter. Hello. Yes. This is uh, Ryan from South Jersey. How are you? Oh, hi, Ryan. Good. Good. I really like your intro. Uh, well, thank you. I'd like you, you to uh, address how that the uh, education, like you've been working for, I know, for years, is really a big part of the solution. I'm afraid that, you know, the American people have fallen into the position where they don't want to vote against what they feel is their benefit, Social Security, welfare, you know. Mm-hmm. They need to be educated out of that. Uh, thinking, and I wanted you to address how it is that you do that, and I can uh, take my answer over the air if you like. Well, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, that's the that's the trap that we've fallen into as a nation. Is that a young man or woman gets elected to Congress, and uh, they swear an oath on the to obey the Constitution, but as soon as they take their hand off the Bible, they begin thinking about the next election, and. Uh, you know, how are they going to win their next election? They think in terms of, well, I need to I need to win over the voters in my district. I need to bring home the bacon to my district, those earmarks and expanded social services and so on. Now, this expansion of government is expensive, but they can't raise taxes to balance that budget because the raising, raising of taxes, the voters would object to that, so they'd lose the next election. So they can't do it that way. So they have to borrow the money. But they can't borrow the money on this generation, so essentially they're borrowing the money on the labor, future labors of our children and grandchildren. So they're putting America's children and grandchildren into bondage for the sake of buying their own re-election. It's, it's pretty shameful. But ultimately, the buck stops with the American people and the voters. You know, we're, It's all about self-government. If the people themselves have lost the knowledge of the principles of our founding— and lost the knowledge of the Constitution, that it's a law to restrain the government, and that the re- proper restraint of government equals freedom and personal liberty, then um, we're the ones responsible. We keep electing them. We're not electing those that uh, promise to simply protect our rights, but we've fallen into the trap of electing those that promise us the most goodies and earmarks, and uh, not realizing there's no such thing as a free lunch. It's, it's all about education. So I've been, for the past 30 years, doing all I can to try to educate the voters of the principles of the Constitution and how it applies to the uh, various problems that we're facing. Virtually every problem that America faces can be addressed by simply the proper application of the Constitution, honoring their oaths to the Constitution. You still there, caller? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I hope I sufficiently answered his, his question. Okay, Daniel Webster, let me have a quote here from Daniel Webster. Daniel Webster is quoted as saying, Hold on, my friends, to the Constitution and to the Republic for which it stands. Miracles do not cluster, and what happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution, for if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy throughout the world. Pretty serious statement. Have uh, some I like to say that the the difficult. It's all about it's all about the Constitution. You know, the founding fathers had it right. I say to people, um, you know, my my platform is real simple. It's the Constitution. It was written by some really smart guys a couple of hundred years ago. They got it right. You know, judge a tree by its fruit. America produced more wealth, more health and hope and technological advances than all the other nations of the world combined. We became a a, a hope. For the world, but now we're we're falling into the trap. Uh, I like to say that uh, our Congress lies bewildered in a state of amnesia brought on by a severe case of scurvy. As just about everyone knows, uh, scurvy can be easily cured by a healthy dose of vitamin C. In this case, C standing for Constitution. Well, let me uh, 
people generally aren't familiar with the Constitution Party, even though we're the, we're the middle ground. We represent the Constitution that both the, uh, the left and the right, the Democrats and the Republicans, have drifted away from, but now are beginning to drift back as they see more and more millions gravitating toward the, the Tea Party movement. And that's, and that's exactly why. They want us to get back on the foundation that made us great. So I'm going to read off some of the core values of the Constitution Party. Number one, protecting the unalienable right to life for all, including the unborn, the elderly, and the infirm. Now, so many so-called, well, let me finish this, and then we'll, then I'll take, we have another call, but let me finish this thought. So many so-called pro-life uh, legislators, they get elected and re-elected because, oh, they're pro-life, and this is a serious issue, with, with especially with most Christians. Well, since our founding, Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution uh, affords Congress the power to limit the, legis- the legislative jurisdiction of the federal courts. So they have that power to tell the federal courts, the Supreme Court, no, you'll not hear any cases on abortion, and return the issue to the states where pro-life groups and even pro-choice groups will be able to fight it out on a level playing field and at least uh, end abortion in some of the states. But for them to do that would mean they would lose their meal ticket to the next election. So they're not really interested in solving the problem. When I'm elected, I will, I'll sign on to Ron Paul's Sanctity of Life Act, which does exactly that, limits the jurisdiction of the federal courts about abortion. Uh, caller, you have a question. Hello, Pete. Yes. How you doing? It's Richie. Richie. Uh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know you were on this time of the, time of the night, you know? Okay. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm <laughs> filling in. I'm... Host, you're doing um, a great. You're doing a great job. I uh, hope so. I, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want you know, the uh, the regular host to be mad at me for messing up their show. I want to do a good no, job. No, you're for doing them. a great job. Uh, I just was uh, looking through the channels and I heard you talking about the Constitution. My ancestors uh, fought the American Revolution and once signed the Constitution. And uh, you're hitting it right on the nose that we got to re-educate these people. And um, you know, I, I mean, history constantly repeats itself. You know, you, you see we have a bunch of. What did Obama say uh, the other day uh, uh, for Republicans to sit in the back of the bus? He thought that's funny. Uh-huh. You know, um, I mean, uh, anybody that's concerned about their children and grandchildren are sick and tired of what's going on in our government today with these left-wing uh, liberals or commies or progressives or whatever you want to call them. They're taking all away our freedoms. I mean, my grandkids never even get the chance to go down to Florida and play in the sand because now it's illegal. I mean, what, where are they going to stop? That's it. It's all about protecting our rights, not babysitting us, not micromanaging every aspect of our lives, and particularly businesses. Businesses are—American business and industry is getting hit so hard. Take uh, NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement. You know, America's lost over 15 million jobs because of NAFTA. North American Free Trade Agreement. Gee, that sounds nice, free trade. But 22,000 pages of regulations doesn't spell free trade. It spells, you know, stifling, choking, uh, regulated trade. So the companies have no choice but to close up, close shop, lay their workers off, and, and reopen in uh, in China, in Mexico, India, Pakistan. And You've hit it right on the nose, Pete. Uh, it's all the regulations. The only thing that seems any more uh, politicians don't have to do is uh, pass ridiculous laws, waste taxpayers' money, raise taxes, they live like pigs, and uh, we're supposed to eat the scraps. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and each, each legislator wants to get some laws passed, you know, with his name on it. Mike, I'm not looking to pass any laws. I'm looking to uh, repeal, rescind, you know, uh, downsize, and get America back to, back to the Constitution. We've got, we've got way more laws than we need. You know, some, some are, are, are valid, legitimate, you know, when they're applying to protecting our rights. But, but so much of it, the, the regulatory laws, we've got... Reserves and uh, oil reserves in the western states that are enormous, and, and yet we're, we're prevented from drilling for those reserves, and it, it, it endangers our national security, uh, you know, for, uh, I would just say, uh, dubious, dubious environmental reasons. I mean, American, American companies are the most responsible in the world. We can drill responsibly uh, inland. Certainly it's safer to drill uh, inland than it is uh, out in the ocean. Well... I agree with you. You look at it this way. Why Why could all these other countries in the world drill? Uh, uh, Obama gave, um, um, what's his name, George Zoros $2 billion to drill off, off uh, offshore drilling in Brazil. They they know how to do it, but we don't. Yeah, they've got, uh, you go, yeah, 
government's got, got no kids. business subsidizing oil companies. As, as important as oil is, it's not the government's role to subsidize them or even subsidize alternative energy. Uh, let me move on to the next caller. I think we've got callers right, lining up day. here. Hey, All thank right, you, God Rich. Bless. Yeah, bye bye. Right, yes, caller, you're on. Yes, hello. Oh, hi. Hi. I'm calling. I wonder if you could um, talk about the uh, Food and Safety Act and maybe cap and trade if you have time. Sure. I've been registered a Republican and very disappointed to find out that uh, Frank Lubiondo is actually for these two issues. If, if you could uh, just take some time, I'd appreciate it. Somewhere. Yeah, he, he did go on an apology tour, which is very humble of him to oh, do that. Okay. He went on an apology tour that you know, if he had to do it again, he wouldn't have voted for the, uh, the cap and trade. Because he, uh, he hasn't said anything about the uh, Food Safety Modernization Act that he had voted for. And uh, I had advised him to vote against both those bills. And, uh, you know, sometimes he listens to me. Sometimes he, he's got his own way. But uh, I advised him against it, and he ended up having to go on an apology tour. But anyway, cap and trade, I'll take that one first. Cap and trade essentially is a scheme to institute a carbon tax on American industry. Uh, I remember once, just as an analogy, an old uh, Columbo uh, movie, Columbo series, Detective Columbo, where uh, he was able to stop a car by putting a potato in the exhaust pipe. And after a few blocks, the car shut down. The exhaust had nowhere to go. Well, likewise, his cap and trade, by capping off the carbon emissions of industry, will literally shut down American industry. Um, and it's all for dubious reasons. If, if you go online and look up the Petition Project, there are 32,000 American scientists who have signed a petition. And these are real scientists. These aren't self-proclaimed environmentalists. These are oceanographers, meteorologists, astrophysicists. 9,000 of them with PhDs have signed a petition stating that the, the science that's being used to uh, promote the global warming hypothesis is is bogus. It's fraudulent science. The, the figures are all doctored and rigged in order to push this this scheme through. Um, so I'd be I'd be opposed to cap and trade under you know any guise. That's you know what we what we need is to relax some of the regulations. Uh, America being energy independent is vital to our national security. Now the um, the uh, the other thing that cap and trade would do on the on the personal level, and it would cause the utility bills of already struggling American families to skyrocket. President Obama admitted that that it's going to cause bills to skyrocket, and I think even that's an understatement to what it would do, because it will not only cause bills to skyrocket, but it'll be shutting down American industry, what's left of American industry. So if our jobless rate is high now, can only imagine what uh, this cap and trade will do to it. The other. Uh, the other question about um, the Food Modernization Safety Act, uh, that was passed. Frank Lobiondo voted for it. Uh, the bill in the Senate now is Bill S-510. And uh, I need to urge uh, our, Senate, our U.S. Senators, uh, Lautenberg and Menendez, to vote against it. Um, hopefully they'll be responsive to that. But this is an extremely dangerous bill that essentially uh, – it subverts the sovereignty, America's sovereignty over its own food supply. It puts local gardens, backyard gardens, organic gardens, vegetable stands, uh, vitamins, all um, under federal regulations. Us small farmers are going are to be wiped out trying to uh, cope with all the federal regulations over and above all the state and local regulations they're already faced with. It also um, it provides that in the case of a, an emergency, which is undefined in the, in the legislation, in the case of an emergency, that uh, all control over food supplies will be turned over to the, uh, to the Department of Defense and Homeland Security. And uh, this is all being done as part of the legislation of what's called uh, Codex Elementarius under the World Trade Organization. So essentially it's compromising America's food supply uh, to international interests who do not have America's best interests at heart. There's a video online. It's pretty scary. There's a video online uh, called The Harvest of Despair, Key in Harvest of Despair, uh, about uh, food being used as a weapon by Stalin on his own people in the Ukraine. That's kind of scary. So I won't get into it any deeper than that, but if you're interested further in the subject, it's something to, something to look up. I hope I answered your question. 
Yes, you did, and thank you so much, and thank you for all your hard work, and I'm thankful that I have a choice on Tuesday, November 2nd, my choice is Peter Boyce. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. you know, Bye-bye. The most encouraging part of this whole campaign is the people that I'm meeting are just so, you know, so genuine, just the salt of the earth, the backbone of America. Just uh, We have another caller. Yes, hello, you're, you're on the air. Hi, Peter. Dennis from Northfield. Hi, Dennis. And how are you doing today? Oh, good. Great. Great, yes, I'm uh, really encouraged. Before I ask you, um, uh, with the lady that just called, you also have the Reggie fees, which are going to uh, boost our electric uh, bills by more than 90% over the next 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but uh, and, uh, what I called you about is uh, uh, Article uh, 4, Section 4, which states that the federal right. government is, stop, is supposed to protect the states from invasion. Right now, we have uh, our president that has filed a suit against uh, Arizona uh, for uh, enforcing uh, the same laws that they have on the book, and then they turned it over to the courts. And now you got nine other uh, countries that are jumping in, and then we have the Ninth Circuit Court that just ruled that Arizona can't check the citizenship of people that are going to register to vote. Um, so how do we handle this? Well, I would say that uh, the court ruling that uh, in Arizona people don't need to, you know, prove their citizenship to vote. That's, you know, that's akin to sedition. That's, you know, the, the, uh, exactly. at some point the American and, uh, people you know, just have to just have to stand up and say, you know, enough of this, enough of this. We're being sold out. Uh, the the idea that. You know, Article 4, Section 4 requires the federal government to protect the states against invasion. 20 to 40 million illegal intruders increasing crime and burdening our social services and taking American jobs, that constitutes an invasion. But instead of the Obama administration or before the Obama administration, the Bush administration, the Clinton administration, going all the way, all the way back, instead of them uh, uh, honoring their oath to Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, uh, they instead ignore it, give lip service to it. We're paying hundreds of billions of dollars to secure the borders of other nations, but paying only lip service to the constitutional requirement to secure our own. And here now we have the other nations of Central America teaming up with the Obama administration against little Arizona, who's only trying to do what the federal government is supposed to do, you know, protect protect itself. Hello, you still there? Uh, I I can hear you fine if you can hear me. Uh, we lost them. Well, let me continue. Continue with the, with the thought. It's uh, when I. Well, uh, let's take. Is there another caller? We'll take another call. Okay. Well, the um, the idea that uh, the federal government and and nations of Central America would uh, gang up on little Arizona, who's only trying to protect itself, is uh, that's. What is it, an Irish saying, beyond the beyond, or an English saying, beyond the beyond? It's just, it's, it's outrageous. Uh, my understanding is it's not even going to be heard by the Supreme Court, but it's going to go to, uh, to I have, uh, hold on, have I? <laughs> the UN. Yeah, but what department of the UN? I think it was the uh, World Health Organization, something like that. Anyway, yeah, make an international issue. The only proper place for that to be heard is the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, on the issue of immigration, uh, a few uh, little-known facts, but 90, there's a crime wave sweeping across America. Ninety-five percent of the outstanding murder warrants in Los Angeles County are for illegal aliens. Thirty percent of the felons serving time in federal prisons across America are here illegally. There's an enormous financial burden on America. Um, more than 80 hospitals in California have had to close because of the burden of illegal immigrants on the, on the hospital system. Um, in New Jersey alone, it costs New Jersey over $2 billion annually uh, in the form of uh, education, social services, and incarceration for illegal aliens. Um, if amnesty, comp- uh, buzz phrase is comprehensive immigration reform, if this is passed, it's going to cost the American taxpayers $2 trillion. I mean, we're already almost $14 trillion in debt. It just further puts future generations of Americans into bondage. You know, well, people say, "Oh, well, you're you know you're against uh, against immigration. Uh, you're a racist. You're what? No, no way. You know, I'm not. I'm all for immigration, legal immigration, because that keeps America strong. I'm American first, uh, which reminds me of a little story in my own family history. Both both my sets of grandparents were immigrants uh, on the Irish side, 
and on the my Italian side, I'm Irish and Italian. Well, when my Italian grandparents came over, they came over on, on a boat, and my grandmom was eight months pregnant with my mother, uh, the first of nine children. And uh, they arrived in America, and they uh, became legal citizens and assimilated, and they went on to raise the nine children. And when World War II broke out, uh, they had six boys. And when World War II broke out, five of them were of an age to join up. But the question came up, uh, and they went to their father and said, Pop, you know, we're at war with Italy. If we join up, uh, we might very well be fighting against our own relatives back in Italy. And my grandfather's response was, you're Americans, now you fight for America. And that's assimilation. When, when people uh, become legal citizens, there's a wonderful photograph of Albert Einstein being sworn in as a, as a legal citizen, but he did it the right way. You know, he learned about the Constitution, he learned the English language, and uh, part of uh, becoming a, a legal citizen is uh, swearing an oath of allegiance where they renounce all allegiance to any uh, foreign prince, potentate, state, uh, king, what have you. So their allegiance is totally to America. Um, often I'm asked the question, I give PowerPoint presentations about immigration, legal and Im illegal, and I'm often asked, well, what about this thing about anchor babies, anchor babies, you know, where uh, someone would uh, sneak across our border, have a baby here, and automatically that baby's an American citizen and begin to bring all the other relatives uh, here to get social services and what have you. Well, what, what, where that started was in 1965, President Lyndon Johnson instituted that, and he cited the 14th Amendment. Now, in the 14th Amendment, it says, um, it says all persons born or naturalized in the United States, right, uh, and are, are citizens of the United States. But he didn't, he left out the middle of it, the middle of Section 1 of the 14th Amendment. What it actually reads is all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. So the key phrase here is subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Well, if someone sneaks across our border, they're still subject to the jurisdiction of whatever country that they came from, whether they fled from there or what have you. They're still subject to, the, to their citizenship and the rules of that country. In fact, the, um, I've got a statement here. He's, this is from Senator Jacob Howard, in 1866, he's the co-author of the 14th Amendment, and this is his quote now. He says, this will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens, who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers accredited to the government of the United States, but will include every other class of persons. What people need to realize is the 14th Amendment was drafted right after the Civil War where there was the question of uh, what about the emancipated slaves? Are they citizens? And so the 14th Amendment addressed that and said, uh, yes, they're citizens because, one, they were born here, and, two, they're subject to our jurisdiction, so they're American citizens. But if someone sneaks across our border, they're not subject to our jurisdiction. Uh, we have another caller. Yes, you're on the line. Hello, Peter. Yes. My name's Albert. Hey, Al. I'm calling. I, I'm listening to your show. Um, one topic that I'm interested in is uh, what are what do you plan on doing as far as bringing our troops back to protect our uh, borders and our 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 ports? Good question. That's one of the main main planks of my campaign. So the Constitution is very clear. The founding fathers saw war as so dangerous. They entrusted or those representatives that most directly represent the people in their district, you know, the House of Representatives, our congressmen, uh, with, the, with the sole power to declare war. The Congress is real clear. clear. It says, Congress shall declare war. Yet we haven't had a declaration of war since World War II. So technically, uh, Korea, Vietnam, Somalia, Iraq, Afghanistan, Bosnia, we were at war. There are young men and women in our military bleeding and dying on battlefields, but uh, as far as Congress was concerned, we weren't at war. So it's shameful that here we have military personnel bleeding and dying in the, on the battlefield. They have a 100% commitment there to victory. Their lives are on the line. But here in Congress, they kick back in big leather chairs and, and, and don't have the backbone to honor their oath to the Constitution to declare war, to, to demonstrate a complete commitment on the part of the, of the United States government to see this through to victory. 
So it's it's shameful. And here at the same time, while we're, like I said earlier, we're spending hundreds of billions of dollars to secure the borders of other nations and paying only lip service to the constitutional obligation to secure our own, that uh, now we need to bring our troops home as as can be done as as quickly as can be done safely to secure our own borders and ports. Now, certainly, there we're, we have troops in over 130 nations and are certainly places where they need to remain for the sake of uh, our national security. And the you know there are key choke points in the world that need to be maintained for the sake of our national security. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these unending, undefined, undeclared wars. Uh, there's other ways. So here we're in Afghanistan and Iraq and. Uh, are we still searching for Osama bin Laden in the caves? If that was the case, we don't need to put a whole population under subjection. There's a clause in the Constitution uh, allowing for letters of mark and reprisal, meaning you identify the individual or individuals that uh, launched the attack on us, in this case terrorist attack, identify them and launch a surgical strike and take them out, not subject the whole population to occupation. So the Constitution needs to be obeyed. Uh, well, I have another. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, my my thing is, I what I see is that we're at war with the the terrorists uh, of these two nations that you just spoke about, Iraq and Afghanistan, and we see all of these Al Qaeda members and Taliban members and uh, members of other organizations that are linked to the um, Muslim. Uh, Islamic terrorist network uh, coming into these co- two countries to disrupt and and target our our soldiers and troops and, and what I see is the, a growing ex- es- escalation of uh, buildup coming in from other countries into these countries where our troops are stationed at right now to protect the people of that country. They're protecting the people of that country, but we're losing our American lives over there. They're coming back home missing limbs with head injuries that they are on that, that make them unable to uh, support and defend their own families now, and it, it's growing. It's not getting any smaller. That's right. And what I would like to see is our troops and all of and all of our hardware coming back into this country to get away from them countries because the way that I understand the Constitution. We're not supposed to be involved with this matter. This is to be left up to their own forces. That's right. Do you have a comment on that? We're, yeah, we're not to be the policemen of the world. The purpose of America's military is to protect American lives and American property. It's real, real simple. It's real simple. Uh, you had mentioned about um, the terrorists uh, coming into these countries. Well, I'll take it a step further. They're not only coming into those countries, they're coming into our country. Uh, you see, yeah, USCIS, uh, what used to be the INS Immigration Services, now it's under the Department of Homeland Security, they estimate there's 7,000 illegals that cross our border every day, and approximately 15%, or about 1,000 of them, are felons, meaning they're, they're murderers, they're rapists, they're drug smugglers, human traffickers, pedophiles, and so on. Well, they also have a classification. These are not all from Mexico. They have a classification called OTMs other than Mexican. They're Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, Hamas, and so on. These are actual terrorists. But here, rest assured, all is well. We're frisking grandmom at the airport, taking away her nail clippers because she might be a terrorist. But leave our borders wide open. We need to get real. We need to secure our borders. We need to secure our, We need to bring our troops home from any place that's not absolutely uh, constitutionally legitimate. Bring them home secure our own borders, uh, repeal NAFTA, CAFTA, GATT, and so on, to bring back American jobs, right? The savings in tax dollars, the uh, increase in prosperity, we would be able to afford the proper treatment for our returning veterans. I think it's shameful that veterans coming back maimed from these IEDs don't get the treatment that they really deserve. I've heard it again and again from veterans uh, asking me, you know, what, what would be your stand on the benefits for veterans and so on? And this is, this is a legitimate constitutional function that uh, Congress is dropping a ball. When I go to Congress, I like to say, when I go to Congress, I'm not going there to get along. I'm going there to lead the escape donkey 
and the, and the Republicans escaped elephant back to the confines of the constitutional corral. Got to start holding them accountable to the Constitution they swear to. So I want to thank you for calling, Al. We've got another call. Thank you, Al. Hello. Hello, yes. You're on the air. Wonderful follow-up to that last call. Uh, George Washington and, you know, all the way down from the Founding Fathers really warned us against these entangling alliances. And uh, I'm... I'm ashamed of uh, Rudy Giuliani and other Republicans holding it against Ron Paul, you know, that he won't uh, support the overseas adventures. And I, I know you've heard it, too. And yeah. it's uh, Robert Taft, Mr. Republican, didn't even want us to be a member of NATO, for example. You know, so uh, you, you do a good job of championing the cause of uh, non-interventionism and yes. uh, non-entanglement overseas. Yes, there's a, there's a time when we need to you know respond with force, and when we do respond with force, it needs to be with 100% commitment to see the thing through and victory, not to leave our, our men and women and military out, you know, just out there on their own uh, without a full commitment from the, from the United States government. Um, uh, something I was about to say, and it just slipped my mind. I'll probably, I'll probably well, I love what you said about leaving the escaped uh, donkey and elephant back to the constitutional corral, and I could change the subject on you to, uh, sure. no matter what the question is, the answer from men like Lobiondo and everyone else who's been in Washington forever, always bigger government, more spending, thicker legislation, and more uh, regulation to stifle small businesses, uh, but... I think uh, we we can all see now that that hasn't worked. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So that's the uh, that's the contract with America. Uh, 1994 was a time of great optimism, but yeah. the contract was broken, and and I, I'm afraid that this feels a lot like 1994 to me in ways. That's and, the uh, that's the danger that uh, you know worldly wisdom says Republicans are going to sweep the house because people in general are so fed up with the Obama administration, and joblessness, and the economy, and all. So Republicans are going to sweep the house. Well, let's see what they actually do. Are they going to pay lip service and uh, give us another uh, flavor of ignoring the Constitution? You know, we kind of have chocolate and vanilla flavors of ignoring the Constitution. And that's that's what we need to get back to the foundation, back to the rules that made America great. Uh, which brings me to uh, the health care. Health care. It's going to be 150 new agencies established. It's the largest expansion of government in our history. But, uh, it's not going to be the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. It's going to be the anvil that broke the camel's back. So the Republicans are going to sweep the House, let's assume. If the Republicans, because not in this district, in this district, district, I'll be elected. But across the country, Republicans sweep the House. There's already talk. You know, what is this, the division amongst the Republicans as to what is the best replacement of uh, Obamacare? Well, uh, Nicol- uh, Vladimir Lenin is quoted as saying, now this is one of those wicked men that ever lived, a man that said the greatest cruelty is a merit, a man that invented concentration camps long before it came to the depraved mind of Adolf Hitler. He's quoted as saying, national health care is the keystone in the arch of the socialist state. Means oh, my. It, it gives government the, the, the greatest opportunity to control the most intimate details of the daily life of every human being. And at the same time, it's the easiest thing for them to push through because they could play on the compassions of people, you know, show pictures of people in wheelchairs and don't have money for insurance and this and that. Well, all those things are terrible, but it's not the role of government. That's the role of the churches and civic groups They've dropped the ball. Government has picked up the ball, and uh, it's a very slippery, dangerous slope uh, to get into. Is there if anyone that goes online? Look up. Uh, it's the uh, Patient Protection Affordable Care Act, Section 1553. That's the part that talks about assisted suicide, euthanasia, mercy killing, abortion, and so on. This is serious stuff. Uh, thank you. Well, uh, I feel yeah. so much better having you there to keep an eye on the. Escaped elephant and donkey. And make sure they stay back in there in the Thank confines you. of the constitutional crowd. Thank I'll you. I'll be fighting God every day. You. Thank you. We have another caller, Mr. Boyce. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. My name is John. I, I've had a business in uh, South Jersey for the last 25 years, and uh, I saw you speak at the uh, Tea Party uh, South Jersey Patriots, I believe it was, in courthouse. Oh yes. Okay. And I uh, gave a PowerPoint on immigration. I believe it was very good. Um, let's see. 
you know, if you were elected to, you know, the House of Representatives, I mean, would you, one of the problems I have is that, you know, in business, uh, either state or federal government has been on me for one tax or another. And constantly, I mean, they're, you know, it's one thing after another as far as uh, taxation or paperwork to fill out or whatever. You know, I work a 10 to 12 hour day, I come home, now I'm faced with all this homework that has come in of, through the mail. Um, you know, now it might be email. But, uh, you know, how, how could we get the government, you know, off the back? So, you know, and not only that, but, you know, a year and a half ago, they raised the uh, payroll taxes. And I, and I think this is the reason the unemployment shot up at that point, you know, because the numbers just didn't work anymore. And, uh, you know, we're, we're barely making any money at this point, and I'm about ready to pack it in. Yeah. So what would you do as a congressman to well, help me? I can empathize with what you're saying. I, I run a sawmill. I've run a sawmill now, proprietor of a sawmill for the past 29 years. So I, I know what uh, what hard work is. And uh, all the taxes and regulations uh, take all the joy out of hard labor. You know, if we're working hard but we're pursuing happiness, that's great. But when you're working hard, pursuing happiness, and you know that the fruits of your labor are going to be snatched away as soon as they're produced, it kind of takes all the all the wind out of your sails. Uh, so like I said, I, you know, I get elected. I'm not going there to pass a whole bunch of new laws. I'm going to rescind, you know, every unconstitutional burden that I see that's on the, uh, the business and industry of America because it's just it's just choking us. I, I wrote a little poem. <laughs> my my wife and campaign manager is here shaking her head. I shouldn't recite. Well, I'm going to recite the little. Po- I can't help. I'm compelled to recite this little poem. It goes. Uh, I I preface it by saying America has produced more goods, more wealth of goods and services than all the other nations of the world combined in history. Uh, America is kind of like the gold, the goose that laid the golden egg. So I wrote this little poem. It goes. Um, how'd it go? It goes whipping the goose with taxation. And choking it with regulation does not induce the goose to produce, but to stop, close up shop, lay off help, uh, uh, send help home, then alone, pack up and move its caboose. That's exactly what happened with NAFTA, the 22,000 pages of regulations, American businesses, whole industries like the textile industry and the the Carolinas, they, they can't breathe. They just, they just go under. So they have to close up, lay off all their help, and then reopen somewhere else and move their caboose to China or Pakistan or where have you. Um, what I would do is I, I can totally empathize with you as a, as a you know, small businessman. Uh, I'm going to try to you know, repeal, rescind, you know, scale back like the EPA because uh, I won't be able to do much uh, on the state level because it will be a federal position, but everything I can do on the federal level to bring back liberty we don't have an economic we don't have a job problem the jobs lack of jobs is a symptom of the ailing economy but the economy itself is a symptom symptom of something far deeper and what that is it's a loss of liberty that's what we're really fighting against we're fighting to preserve the liberty that's slipping away through our fingers so i really i thank you for calling john uh do you have any other questions well no that pretty much covers it but i mean the, the liberty issue is uh is important, uh, you know, not just, uh, you know, in general, but I mean, uh, well, in general is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I think, uh, you know, if you could expand upon that a little bit, I mean, uh, how personal liberty is being taken away by, uh, you know, every means. In other words, you know, uh, everywhere we go, we see uh, uh, some element of uh, cameras at every corner and that type of thing. I mean, I don't know whether uh, what that's being set up for, but. Yeah. Yeah, well, the Patriot Act is a good example. Uh, it's passed without anyone ever ever reading it. I, you know, I would promise I'm not going to vote in favor of any bill that I haven't had a chance to read. The idea of voting for the bill and then after it's voted through, then you get a chance to read it. That's that's you know that's a that's beyond ridiculous. It's it's, it's ridiculous to the point of being really sinister. I mean, if there's nothing to hide, I would take the, the section uh, 1553 that I was talking about in the health care bill. You need three lawyers to unravel the thing. If there wasn't anything to hide, they'd, you know, they'd tell you straight out what it says. But no, they you know, intentionally couch it in, in such convoluted language that uh, you know, only the lawyers and judges can uh, explain to the people what it says. But uh, yeah, that's not the case. I originally got involved 
uh, I had a thriving real estate business in the 70s, and uh, the energy crisis hit, and I, I turned to inventing. I invented an ocean wave energy power plant. And the figures, based on Army Corps of Engineers statistics, the figures show that this power plant would generate over a billion dollars worth of clean energy from New Jersey's modest waves annually, and the only byproduct is a reversal of beach erosion. So I'd send packages of information to different departments of government, uh, like the Department of Energy and so on, and I'd be stonewalled, and I was baffled. Now, back then, we are only importing 29% of our energy needs out of the Persian Gulf. Now it's over 70%, courtesy of the Department of Energy. So there's another agenda going on. It's not necessarily the agenda of individual uh, liberty and prosperity for the American people. So that, that's when I be, first became involved, you know, 30 years ago, and uh, I've been fighting the battle ever ever since. Uh, I want to thank you, thank you, John, for calling. I think we're about yep, running you. out of time. Thank you. God yep. bless you Bye-bye. for your patriotism. Yep. Uh, we have one more call. Hello, you're on on the air. Good afternoon. This is Nate Nathanson with Liberty and Prosperity. Oh, hi, Hello, Nate. Peter. Oh, yeah, Liberty and Prosperity, great group. I want to, anyone you, listening, Thank I've you. got to recommend their Saturday morning uh, breakfast, all, you know, solid solid discussion about the Constitution and America's problems. Yes, Thank Nate, what, how can I help you? Yes, I, I would like to, uh, uh, just, uh, I know time is short, and uh, right now our administration is derelict in duty with enforcing all borders and laws. It can be done. You've got to have a political will. And I want to tell you that I know that one of your strong points is just that, enforce all immigration laws, and it's crippling this country. And um, I think that's a very, very strong point. The other thing is, is that you are following the Constitution to the T, and that makes you a difference between yourself and a conservative candidate. And, uh, we won't go wrong when we follow the Constitution uh, to the umph degree. And um, I will say good luck, and um, I know that uh, I've enjoyed your talks each time that you visited Liberty and Prosperity. And all I can say is, you know, best of luck and keep up the good fight. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, how much time do we have left? Two and a half, Two and a half minutes. Um, well, I guess I better start to wrap it up. Uh, so we have just a f- in the last few moments that we have left. Uh, in closing, I would like to thank Keith Kendricks and Dr. Michael Larrakis for inviting me to host Evidence for Faith here on WIBG 1020. I uh, hope I didn't discredit their show, <laughs> cause them to get kicked off the air or anything. I hope they, you know, I hope they think I did a good job. Um, if you would like to contact me, uh, my website is voiceyourchoice.com. That's B-O-Y-C-E, voiceyourchoice.com. Uh, let's see, I've got a quotation here. John Adams cautioned, uh, but a constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored. Liberty once lost is lost forever. So each of us have to stand before God one day and give an account of ourselves. We have a responsibility, a solemn responsibility to the future generations of Americans to preserve that flame of liberty by standing in the gap Unless the Constitution is unwaveringly defended, that flame of liberty, which blessed the world, will soon become just a smoking wick. Please pray for America and vote your conscience. This is Peter Boyce, Constitution Party candidate for Congress. If you elect me, I'm not going to Washington to get along, but to leave, lead the Democrats' escaped donkey and the Republicans' escaped elephant back to the safe confines of the Constitutional Corral. Thank you, and God bless you. Again, pray for America and vote your conscience. Bye-bye.